message, and it's kind of from John chapter 1, but the Word became flesh. We're going to talk about the implications of a baby being born some 2,000 years ago in a stable. And what, not just what it was, but what it means. And how it impacts and affects our lives in every way. Or at least it should. Um, Because a lot of times we get caught in the story. And even uh, with all the... There's such a nostalgia with Christmas, right? Like certain songs bring you back to certain things. Or even movies, right? Like you hear a song, you're like, that's from Home Alone. And you remember watching that. Or or you hear this song and you're like, I remember my neighbor used to play that song. And I could hear that was like their song. Or, you know, that reminds me of my mom. Or that reminds me of my kids or my grandkids or whatever. There's a lot of nostalgia and warmth and and emotions tied to Christmas. The, and we love that, right? We love watching kids see lights and they get all excited. We've been driving around looking at lights, um, you know, finding neighborhoods that are good. Um, so if you know some really good ones, let us know. So far, Calavera and Bressy Ranch have been the winners as far as lights go. Uh, but it, there's something about the nostalgia and the, the warmth and the re- remember all the family traditions, the meals, all of that stuff. And that all has value. But if that's all it is, then it's not really as good as, as we're claiming, right? It's got to be so much more than that. Uh, if we're saying that the Savior came into the world, then it does so much more than puts lights up, you know, gets us out shopping and uh, drinking hot chocolate and things like peppermint mochas. But it's more than that. And so we're going to look at that this morning here. And then, uh, like I said, there'll be a part two on Tuesday. So Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray you'd speak to us from your word by your spirit and you would help us to understand what you want to show us that we would hear from you and it would impact us. God, that you, you would touch our hearts, touch our minds, Lord, that we'd move beyond the emotional part of it and move into, um, just the understanding part. That would, that would uh, help our, our eyes and our minds to be fixed on you and our lives to be dedicated to you, Lord. That we'd have that, uh, that grounding, that foundation that's found in you. So we just thank you, God. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. First John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have seen and heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The fact of the matter is that Jesus, who was born historically, we know Jesus to have lived on earth, right? I mean, we, it is a known fact he's to have lived on earth and uh, to have followers and for his followers to have believed he had risen from the dead. So Jesus was prophesied about, spoken about 
for hundreds of years before it even happened. And he was from, the, which was from the beginning. The beginning of time, he was there. The beginning of what we know as time and space, he was there. Which we have heard, and he says, so we have this, this Jesus who was beyond time and space, so obviously God, part of creating it. But we've also, so we know he's God. What we also, which have, we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. Not only was he God, he was also man. Like we know that he was God, his life proved it. Fulfilling prophecies, tons of prophecies throughout his life. Including things like where he was born, which is things none of us can control where we're born, Right? Some of you, if you weren't born in a good place, and you're like, yep, exactly, right? If you were, then you're like, same thing. You can't control where you were born. But all these fulfillment of Scripture, uh, so th- there's the whole prophetic side, proving he was God. He, was, he did miracles. The greatest miracle was he rose himself from the dead. After being put in the tomb, he came back to life three days later, and then ascended to heaven. John was a witness of that. So he's like, I know he's God. Also, I know he was man. I I knew him. It's interesting whenever we see John write, because John was seemingly his very best friend. Jesus and John were very close, and they were good friends. He said, we've we've heard and, and we've seen with our eyes. We've heard him speak, we've seen with our eyes. And, and which we've looked upon and our hands have handled. Like we've, we've had contact with him. We know him. And he calls him the word of life. Jesus was prophesied about long before his birth. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That's who was born in the manger so many years ago. His life was prophesied about. There was, they knew he was coming. They were waiting for a Messiah. They, they thought it would be a little different, obviously, than it was. No one expected the Savior of the world to be born in a barn around animals. In a pretty gnarly scene. Could you imagine, like, the life of Mary coming into this? Like, first of all... She's pretty young, right? She's betrothed to be married. And she's being betrothed to be married is like, basically like you are married, but you're not engaged physically. Like it was a commitment to be betrothed to someone. It wasn't because engagements, you can kind of call them off. Like, eh, it's engagements like next level dating, right? I could still run if I have to, right? There's no paperwork has been signed yet. You know, you might have like, looked at a few wedding venues, you've tasted some cakes, but you can still run, okay? But this was a little different. She was betrothed to be married. Uh, they believe her. she's probably 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. Young, right? Very young. And, and this is when they would get married back in the day, right? But she's betrothed to be married to this guy, Joseph. Um, all of a sudden, she's pregnant without knowing a man. And she's thinking, how am I going to explain this? Especially to her husband, who has not yet gotten the memo about this. God hasn't yet told him, hey, by the way, she's pregnant. And don't worry, nothing really, you know. So she's kind of like on the hook a little bit. 
Joseph was an honorable man. He like pulled her aside. He's like, uh, I don't know what's going on, but I don't want you to go to get killed out there because you've, you're an adulterer, which she was not. But she's a teenage mother dealing with stressful circumstances. Oh, and by the way, you're going to be giving birth to a perfect person and also God himself, the Messiah. So you're going to have to raise a perfect kid. And you think, well, that sounds really simple. Well, except for if you've been a parent and you know that you can mess your kids up. So she's like thinking like, am I going to screw this kid up? Am I going to, am I going to provoke him to wrath? Am I going to somehow make God fall off? And you know, who knows exactly what Mary was thinking, but she was pretty stressed out. To add to the stress, she was required to travel multiple days on a donkey to go be registered at nine months, seemingly pregnant. Uh, ladies at nine months, do you feel like getting on a donkey and traveling a couple days? You feel like doing anything, right? You just, like, just get the baby out of me. Then you get there and lo and behold, here comes the baby, right? Always in the worst circumstance. Never, never seems like it's when you want it to happen. Like, oh, I think I'm going to have it Monday at 9 a.m., so that way I have the whole week off and I could just recover. No, it's going to be Friday at 3 in the morning after you've been working all week. No, so that she's pregnant. She's, it's time. There's no room in the inn. So she ends up where? In a barn, in a stable, having a baby around animals. The cattle are lowing, right? It's a gruesome sight, really. Not only that... Do you ever think about the fact that she had to give birth herself? Like just by, it's like, Joseph's like, I've never done this before, but let's bring that baby into the world. I don't know what exactly the situation was, but it's high stress for sure. Um, God is, if you think following God is like going to be the easy, boring path, you are dead wrong. If you know this, right? If you follow in the Lord, like, it is, there are twists and turns around every, because he wants us to keep our eyes on him. Like there's something about life being easy that doesn't draw us closer to God. Or life going exactly as planned doesn't bring us closer to him or doesn't make us long for him more. It makes us comfortable and at ease. And that's not something that he's as interested in as we are. But Savior was born in the world in a very interesting way. Verse 2, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. The life was manifested. The word of life was manifested. God was manifested before us. One of the things to understand is that when we see Jesus, we see God. And sometimes it's, it's easy to kind of put them in different places. God, you know, the guy up there with the beard and the long hair, it's white, you know, all white. Jesus, you know, he's got a brown beard, also long hair. He's nice. God's sometimes really mad, right? Like Jesus is kind of like more hippie kind of, you know, love, love, love. And God, he'll shoot a lightning bolt down if he's bummed, you know. We've seen what he can do. But the fact of the matter is that Jesus is God. Jesus is the God that we can see. And so when Jesus came, the life was manifested. Like it was made so we can see. So when we read the words of Jesus, we're reading the words of God. 
This is him. So when we have history of Jesus, we have history of God walking around, healing people, confounding the wisdom of the wise, never being trapped, always being at least one step ahead. We witnessed this. And John says we have seen and bear witness. The idea of bearing witness is like saying like, we, are, we will stand by this. That we saw this. We, we were witnesses of this. We were part of this. We bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Eternal life was living here on earth. The fact of the matter is Jesus is life. So when he was born 2,000 years ago, plus whatever, he, was, he brought, literally brought life into the world. And it would never be the same. There was like this roaming death from Adam to Jesus. There's just like this, this heaviness that there, there was glimpses of God, you know, that he, what he was doing with his people and, and restoring a little bit here and there and pointing to, oh gosh, we, when the Savior comes, when the Messiah comes. When Jesus came, he changed everything. He brought life. Everlasting, eternal life. And it is obvious because death couldn't hold him. The one thing we are all subject to could not hold him. Couldn't hold him uh, because he could bring people back from the dead. And also couldn't hold him because he couldn't be held dead for long. That life was manifested. John's, this is obviously, this is, you know, the letter of John, 1 John. But also, if we're to look at the Gospel of John, chapter 1, gives these two intros are very similar and very complementary. Verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and that's Jesus, and the capital W, right, was the Word, and the Word, which is Jesus, was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. He is a creator of life. He, in him, verse 4, was life. And the life was the light of men. The life that is in Jesus is the light of men. And so that's what John's saying. Like, we got to see life. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And kind of speaks to John the Baptist, but then picks up in verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. It was clear and obvious to all who were around him that that there was glory. That there was glory coming off of him. His life was full of the glory, the glory of God as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John, his cousin, bore witness of him and cried out saying, This is the one of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of the fullness we've all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten, his son, who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. So when we want to see God, we look at Jesus. And what Jesus came to do was to bring grace into the world. The law was given to Moses and the law was valuable, right? We, we 
talked about this a lot in Romans, if you were with us. The law was valuable, but what the law brought us to was to understand we're dead in our sins. The law brought death. But it's important to know you're dead, especially if you can find out that there's a way to become alive. If you have a condition and it's treatable, the first thing is understanding that you have a condition. So the law was a a tutor pointing us to the fact that we needed a savior, that we needed someone to intervene. We needed God himself to come down and rescue us. And he did. That's found in Jesus, in the life of Jesus. In him is life. In him is life, in him is light. The darkness does not comprehend it. That doesn't matter. The fact of the matter remains, in him is life. And so in him, his believers take on that same life. Those of us who know him have fellowship with him and his life, his light is found in us. And there will never be anything that we can get to in society through technology, through you know, philosophy, through whatever that can produce this kind of life. There's also nothing that can really help us to satiate the need for it. We will all understand at some point that we're missing something. There's something out there that I'm missing that I need. And that it's because the life is found in Jesus. Jesus is eternal life incarnate. He is a glimpse of eternal life. He's a glimpse of heaven. He's a glimpse of the fall. We get to see what he looks like. So when you see that grace and the beauty, the love, the the definition of love, you know that's who God is. That is him. He is God. Any other view you have of God is messed up. Any other view you have, because sometimes you, you start putting the word father in there and you can start throwing, well, fathers kind of mess things up. Fathers, my father was not a good example. My, I'm cool with Jesus because we could be friends and hang out. But like the whole father thing, he's just going to yell at me. He's just mad at me. He's just waiting for me to blow it. No, 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 no. God sent his son to come represent before us. For Colossians reaffirms this, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. This is speaking of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the one you can see. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. So the importance of that baby coming to this earth 2,000 years ago, being born in the manger, was the greatest thing In human history, the greatest event in human history was God sending his son into the world to to bring reconciliation and to represent himself. It's funny, we, we think that we can judge God on our standards when there's just no way we can actually do that, right? I was listening to a sermon on one of the um Russian leaders who had had I forgot his name right now. Uh, but he had, he had declared that Russia was an atheist nation because they had gone to space, the heavens, and God wasn't there. 
So therefore, atheism, right? God's not there. And C.S. Lewis had a major beef with this, right? So they asked him, they said, and C.S. Lewis is like, that's the most like unreal thought process you could possibly come up with. And, and there was, he basically said like, that, it, it, he used Shakespeare as an example of saying like, how do you get to know Shakespeare? Basically, it's like asking Hamlet who Shakespeare is, right? Like it's, it's like asking the creation. You don't know who the creator is. He's so far above you, you. He only allows you to have what you have. He only, the experiences and the knowledge that you have, you can't, you're not on the level. But God, the only way for Shakespeare to put himself into the story or to, for us to know who he is, is to put himself into the story. That's the only way you would be able to tell from his writings, is if he himself writes himself into the story. I was also uh, heard a, another example that was really cool about um, this author, uh, this Oxford grad author. Get her name right off the top of my head. I had it written down. I didn't put it in here. But she had written a story about this guy, and basically she had fallen in love with the guy, so she wrote herself into the story. And it was basically her exact life was written into the story. So you could see it. It was her in the story, but she put it there. When we we get a glimpse of who God is, because God has revealed himself to us, we couldn't know who he is except for him showing us who he is. So for us to go on an investigative mission, it's just kind of like, Good luck, right? It's like looking for dinosaur bones in the middle of a parking lot. It's not, gonna, not a good chance that you're going to find one just sitting here, right? Because it's, it's, that's not where they're at. It's, got, it's so much deeper than you would imagine. None of this was here before. It's, this has all been created anyway. So the idea is, is that Jesus is, is God revealing himself to us. So we could see it for ourselves. He's like, you think a lot of things, here's who I am. Get a glimpse even of it from that, that quote from Isaiah. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Sounds like someone you want to hang out with, right? Sounds like someone you want to be your God. And John, by saying this in, in verse 2, saying that, and, and I bear witness He's saying, I'm willing to be put on trial for this. We actually know John would be put on trial. We, we know that John would have to pay a price for this. There were many disciples who were martyred. John was just boiled in oil. Stop, stop proclaiming Jesus. Stop talking about Jesus. Can't do that. Well, then we're going to have to boil you in oil. Could you just kill me? Because that sure sounds better than being boiled in oil, right? Ever been burned bad? It's one of the worst feelings ever, right? Can't imagine being a French fry, you know? Being boiled in oil and then sent to an island anyway. He would be put on, on but he wasn't going to deny it because he'd seen it for himself. When you've seen life, death has no grip on you anymore. It can make you sad, sure, but, but your whole, your mind's been changed about how, what it all means. Even things like happiness is, is based on happenstance. What's happening in your life, right? 
No, we don't live off of happiness because, man, things can change really fast. Happiness can go away. Joy is deep-rooted in the foundation of knowing that I'm connected with the Savior of the universe. He's good. He loves me. And in Him is life. I can have that here, and I will experience it without any interruptions for eternity. Verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So he's saying, what's the purpose of all of this? Why did any of this happen? Why did Jesus come? Why does he care? Why did God not just throw the whole thing away and start over? It just took some talking, right? He's speaking the world into existence. You'd be like, mm, that one didn't turn out very good. I'm going to throw that one away. Let's start over, right? That's what we would do, right? It's like a certain point where, you know, have you ever had something that's so messed up? You're like, I'm just throwing it away. Like maybe it's someone got sick and threw up all over a blanket. You're like, this thing is done. It's not, this is not going anywhere but the trash. You know, like that's it. It's not worth saving. But no, he, he valued us and he wanted us and still wants us. So when you feel the tug on your heart, like God's trying to get a hold of you, it's because he is. Because he loves you. And he'll go to great extremes to get your attention. And he's willing to use any resources necessary to get us to the place where we experience real life. Not just comfort. Comfort is valuable somewhat. But it's not enough. We need life, real life. And it only is found in him. So he says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. So we're telling you everything that we've seen, everything that we've heard, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We'll have fellowship with one another as we have fellowship with him. The whole point of all of this, of why Jesus came, was so that we would have fellowship with him, but also fellowship with each other. What a beautiful thing it is to see fellowship, godly fellowship amongst you. That's why sometimes, like today, we pushed it. That was too long, right? The greeting time was a little too long, but I had to run this card down, so, you know, it's all right. But this, there's a fellowship in that. And there's also a fellowship in people caring for one another and loving on one another and, and valuing one another that the world looks at and, and they go, what? What is that? There's no like tooting of our own horn. And, and the cool thing is every person who was involved with giving towards the car is, wants to be anonymous. No one wants their name anywhere attached to it, which is, that's, that's praying before God in silence. That's giving without saying, oh, look at the lavish check. I want my car written on, my name written on the side of the car. You know? In Sharpie, from us, God bless. But Virgie was telling me she was at AAA, and of course she was witnessing, right, Virgie? Uh, and what did they say? People don't do this kind of stuff. Who does this? Who helps people out like that, right? But that is the fellowship we have in Christ. And so the darker the world gets, the more valuable it becomes, the more God uses us. 
And there's nothing that the world can do to take away this life. Because this life is an everlasting life. So what's in us, it can't be stopped. And it can't be controlled. And it can't be manipulated. Because it's just like what Jesus had. Two steps, three steps ahead. This love will win in the end. This grace that we live under. God is with us. He's, he, and he wants to use us. But the main purpose why he sent his son into this world was to have that relationship with us. That was the point of creation in the first place. It's pretty obvious. You go back and you read Genesis. God wanted to hang out with Adam. He liked him. He didn't just have him so that he's like, oh, what a pain. I don't know, I gotta, I'm going to have to have kids. It'll help with taxes. You know, I don't really care that much, but you know, I could write it off and say, at least I tried. It was like, no, I created you because I love you. I created you for fellowship. And even when we did everything we could to destroy it and again and again, killed the savior he brought, the Messiah. (laughs) Again and again, he proved that he loved us more than we hated him. And, and, and in hopes that one day we let the armor crack enough to burst right through those old, dusty, nasty, rusty chains and free us so we can live in life, no longer in death. Then we would have fellowship with one another as we have fellowship with him. By the way, fellowship with one another, that's great. It's only as good, though, as our fellowship with him, too. That's where people get ideas to love on one another, to bless one another, to, to pray for one another, to call one another. What's going on in your life? Is there something going on? I just, I got to let you know, I feel called to pray for you today. What's going on? This is our fellowship with God that gives us value with fellowship with one another. We become used. He uses us for his glory. Verse 4, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This news should 100% invoke joy in your life. If we believe it, it will undoubtedly bring joy to our lives. I'll tell you right now, what we should, if you're not experiencing joy in this, there's something is, dis, don't be bummed about this. There's a disconnect somewhere. Something's wrong. Something's missing. If this doesn't bring joy, joy, not moved by circumstances, joy to know that, that God loves us so much that he sent his son and that there's life in his son, that we can live in that life. We can be new, made new in his life. If we don't have that, we're missing it, right? Then that means that the circumstances of life have, are more important or more valuable or more powerful than the God we serve. Somewhere along the lines, if, if you can't find the joy in that experience, you believe that God dropped the ball or will drop the ball somewhere. And ultimately it's saying, I just can't trust you enough to give you my life. Trust is difficult, Right? It takes a lot to trust someone, and, and especially if you've been burned, right? 
But as we learn to trust God and believe him and say, God, whatever you'll do with my life, take it, use it. Whatever you'll do, here you go. We think about that with Mary, right? What did she do with her life? Do you, do you think that's what she had planned growing up? She's like playing, you know, tea party or whatever with her friends. So what do you want to do when you grow up, you know? Well, I'm glad you asked. It involves a, involves a manger, you know, and it involves getting pregnant by God and having a, you know, a perfect son and, you know, whatever. It's like, who would ever have imagined? And what about Joseph? Who asked him for, you know, did God ask him for permission? The, the storms come. There's, there's cards that are dealt to us. Sometimes we think that's not fair. This isn't this. This isn't that. But if we can trust God wherever we're at, whatever the plan is to say, in you is life. I know you care. I know you're in this. Help me to see you. That, and, and as soon as we get to that point of trusting him, we find joy. The word of the day, anxiety, melts away, right? Because you go, I trust God. Not the, these things that might drive me crazy, they don't have their value they used to have. Because I trust God. I say, if you come to the place, I heard a message on this too, I thought it was brilliant. It said, if you come to the place where you say, God, here's my life, do whatever you want with it. Anxiety goes away a little bit. And you really mean it. And you start to experience that joy. But it's hard to let go. But the less we let go, the more we're controlled. But the whole point of this was to bring us to that place of understanding and that, that God loves us and, and that the life is found in him and this should be producing joy. What we're going to hit on on Tuesday is a little more about that joy because I think joy is all over the season right now. Like it's, you see it everywhere. You hear it in the songs, you know. But we get to experience and live out this kind of joy. so cool so cool what what we are celebrating you know it's so easy to get sucked into everything else but to actually think about what it is that we are celebrating um, brings us back to that place of of truly understanding man christmas is really something to be celebrated you can enjoy all the other stuff there's nothing wrong with it the cookies the presence, all of that stuff. But our true joy will not be found in if you get, you know, a new Xbox or, you know, a car or whatever. All that stuff is fleeting. All that stuff will, it'll leave you happy for a second, emotionally cool. But when we find ourselves surrendering to him, fresh and anew, trusting him, fresh and anew, looking at his track record and saying, God, you are so good. You are worthy of my praise. You're worthy of my life. You're worthy of my uh, everything I have. I give it to you and I trust you. We will all be stronger. We will all be more full of joy. We will all be more full of peace because God will be moving us forward. So that's the thing, right? Let's celebrate like that. Let's sing like that. Let's worship like that. This is a, a joyful, Christianity is a joyful, you know, religion, right? <laughs> you look at other religions, right? They're not like this. I heard a quote that we have like 
like 10 times as many songs towards God. Songs are joy, right? We enjoy, like people go around, literally, they go around from door to door singing songs to each other, right? You sing a song in the shower. How weird is that, right? You rock out to your radio on or your headphones. Doesn't sound as good as you think, right? But we, it's out of this joy, we sing these songs, this connection. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to sing again and we're going to praise God and, and uh, um, be so thankful for what we have in the Catch us on Tuesday and we'll get more into uh, that, that joy that we experience that's found in him. That our joy may be full. That we won't get any of it robbed. That we experience it all. Okay? Lord, thank you so much for uh, the love that, with which you've loved us.